think running a day spa is all massages and relaxation? <laughs> there is nothing relaxing about owning a day spa. But we're here to help. Serious spa owners know that being in the spa business isn't for the week. It takes hard work, planning, and just a bit of luck. We should know because we've owned a successful day spa for over 20 years. Now we're opening up our playbooks and giving you the business insights to run your day spa rather than letting it run you. This is a Spapreneur podcast with Lynn Graves and Ramona Rice. Sassy. Yes. Okay. I know you've noticed that a lot of our Spapreneurs, they're stressing. Yeah, they are. And they're stressing about one thing in particular. Money. 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 They're like, mm-hmm. oh God. Now I really might have to fuck with the money. I might have to break rule one. Or they don't know what to do with the money because this is not something we prepared for. The word quarantine has never come up in preparation. Not this big, not where an entire industry, which is ours, is being asked to be shut down or forced to. So, dear spapreneurs, I am giving you the most delicious treat possible. Uh, I got to tell you, this should be for the paid community only. It should, but I'm being super generous. And this is my girl crush, you know. And she's being super generous because this is my personal money coach. She has coached me since November 2016. She's my girl crush. And I love her so much. I have mentioned her. Ceci has mentioned her. We've mentioned her a gazillion times on this podcast. And if you could see how beautiful she is just to look at. Just she's a joy. Amber, I know you're thinking we're just stoking the fire, but you are. And when you're around her, you're just like... Okay, all is right with the world. We have just spent 10 minutes before we started recording giggling giggling like little girls. (laughs) But it is Amber Duggar from Profit for Keeps and Profit for Joy. She is my Profit First professional and one of my bestest friends in the world. Amber, I'm super excited you're here on the podcast. Oh my gosh, that was the most amazing welcome ever. I am blushing over here. My face is deep (laughs) crimson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to make you blush a little bit more. Before we get started on all this, I told Ramona I wanted to tell you something. And I wanted to do it when we were recording. Thank you so much for teaching my daughter what I never taught her. Um, because when all this quarantine hit and she draws a paycheck from de-stress and I knew Spapreneur was going to get hit really bad, I worried. I, I worried so much about her money situation because her husband's a teacher and he doesn't make a lot of money. But what he does is a beautiful thing. And, and I worried and stressed over it for about a week and a half. And she finally told um, her dad, Dupa, that, you know, Rick, don't worry about me. I've got savings. I I put money back. And it it was at that moment I went, oh, my God, she is prepared for things. And that was through your insightfulness and your help in in what you did for her. So thank you, Amber. What you did was a beautiful thing to a mother. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, those words mean so much to me. And (laughs) honestly, I'm just looking here as this full circle moment because I want to thank you both because Ramona was one of the very first clients I had that was ideal for me. I had written her down on a piece of paper and then two weeks later she came into my life. So it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey and it couldn't have been without Ramona freaking taking action. Yes. And you, which I adore. (laughs) And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of our listeners right now are going, oh God, I can't take action because I don't have resources or I don't have funds or I'm not. And here's what I'm hearing from a lot of them. I'm not getting revenue in. So I can't do anything. And I know you and I have talked about it. I came on to your program as well. And and we both agree that's false. This is the perfect time to start at base one. This is the perfect time. 
it's the perfect time because there is always a new space that opens up when we have something that is shifted, right? So right now we've had a shift. We now have this beautiful space to reassess and ask ourselves, is what we are doing exactly 100% in flow? Is this what we really wanted? Or were we saying and catching ourselves saying a lot of the time, I have to, or I need to, or I should, or I have to do this. And at this point, we get this beautiful time to start thinking about what would look ideal for us? What could we do right now that would allow us to start creating an income? Because there's always alternatives. There are always other things to do. Um, And it is one of those things that we also need to allow ourselves to feel these feelings and allow ourselves to, yes, okay, this is a situation, but give ourselves a time limit because it comes to a point where it's no longer helpful to continue to think these same thoughts. I love that because, you know, I feel like I know that when I'm in kind of a depression spiral is, is how I describe it in my own self is that when it gets fixated, especially in money, because money is a trigger, you know, this mom. Hell, money's a trigger for everybody. And it really is. I mean, I remember a time when you were not even a year old and your father and I, her real father, had to go to Salvation Army to get food. But I was raised in an upper middle class income. This was a whole new thing to me. And the degradation of it, the, the way it made me feel, I'll never forget the feeling. I cried. And so I understand I've been reading on the Spopreneur um page of people doing a GoFundMe page and how it's crushing their soul um, to ask for money. And what we just posted in the last podcast was learning to receive. We're givers, but we need to learn to receive gracefully. So doing a GoFundMe is a wonderful opportunity for someone else to give to you. Absolutely. And that's actually one of the greatest ways to have money come in is to be a great receiver because what it allows you to do is it also allows you to be able to do that in the future. Because if we aren't a great receiver, money will not come to us. Yeah, it can. It's a, it's a big block. Yeah, yes. it really does. It really does. And and I think for some of you that may be feeling like I'm not getting what I need, and, and I'm talking in terms of funds or government assistance, because there's been a lot of ups and downs. I know every state is very different with unemployment. We were talking about this off air. Oh, thank um, God for Virginia. Virginia. Has, it yeah. seems like it has a shit together because it's, you know, it, things are processing through, but I know other states aren't doing that. When we feel like we're, and a lot of this Amber comes from feeling out of control. So what are some ways where we're managing the money we do have and that are coming in that can help us feel like we're in more control? Well, first of all, there's something that we absolutely do not have any control over regardless of what we do. And that is the current circumstance. So we do not have control over what's happening right now. However, we do absolutely have control over the thoughts that we're thinking about the circumstance. So if we're feeling a lot of negativity and negative feelings, then the very best thing you can do is ask yourself, what am I thinking right now? And remember, it's not the same thing as the circumstance. A thought is not, I'm not making money. That's actually just your thought about the fact that currently your your business is shut down. But instead, you could be thinking, uh, for example, let's say you want to feel abundant or you want to feel resourceful. You want to feel optimistic. You can say, I have so many beautiful things around me right now. You can take inventory of the things you have. Gratitude is one of the most powerful elements that we can exercise right now. And um, in terms of being able to 
to shift this into the financial space, I think one of the best things we can do is really take a look at, okay, what is the most important thing that we need to prioritize right now? Because I'm doing a, a challenge right now in my group, and we're talking about there are very few must-have expenses. Ramona, you call them the four walls, you know? So yes. And I, I, I technically, I stole it from Dave Ramsey. I will say I did steal that from Dave Ramsey, but it is, it's a great thing. And the four walls, and we've talked about this in the podcast is a roof over your head, food in your belly, electricity, like things to make your hab- habitat habitable, um, basic clothing, transportation to get to the essential things you need. And right now, a lot of us aren't traveling anywhere. So that's an expense you don't need. So once you've covered those things, everything else is extra. Truly everything else is extra. And when you think about it that way, you suddenly become very rich because, you know, especially in the United States, and I know I have people listening to us in various parts of Europe, we are very wealthy countries. And our standards for wealth is very different than, say, other countries and even other places in our country mm-hmm. um, of, of standard of living. So you inherently spapreneurs, by listening to this podcast, you're already wealthy because you have the access to this podcast, the technology to listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and the time to listen to this podcast. That's all various levels of wealth. Um, and that's stuff that I have recognized through working with Amber, I'll be honest. Well, and the other thing is that I wanted to address early on in this is I want to thank all of you spapreneurs for taking the time to listen to this and to give yourself this financial self-care, this beautiful gift of financial self-care, because even doing this exercise of listening to this subject, a subject that normally can create feelings of anxiety and fear, you're able to now say, you know what, I'm willing to start listening and start thinking, possibly thinking differently about this. And so this is a really big step to even decide, I want to listen to this right now. So anyone listening is already a hundred steps ahead of someone who's passed over this episode. You overwhelm me sometimes. Just you make me feel good. And I know how fortunate I am, but you even make me look around and reassess. I have a roof over my head. I have income because my husband's still making money. Thank God. Um, We have plenty of food. I have two cases of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) I stocked up. In the sessy land, that is part of the four walls. I might have a cat that got shaved because (laughs) I drank a little bit too much, but hey. She's not shedding. I'm looking at the positive. Yeah, exa- exactly. So, all right. I want to get into some really specific situations. First off, this is the first time in our country, for the most part, that um, spapreneur, solopreneurs, independent contractors, which the majority gig. Get, gig economy, get access to hopefully unemployment assistance. So I've had a lot of various questions about this. And one of the ones is... And then also all the SBA loans and all of the just grants and everything else out there. How best to allocate it? So first off, a lot of you know, I've mentioned this book over and over and over again. I'm going to mention it again. Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. If you type in Profit First and Mike, you don't have to spell Mike Michalowicz because they're really good at SEO. It is an excellent book. Um, you know, I've read it several times, but but it was complicated enough where that's why I reached out to Amber so that I could have someone guide me through the steps. And that's how my relationship with Amber started. And by having profit first, what happens is, is that money comes into my, my business. A portion of it goes first into my profit account. That reminds me, I'm the owner of my business. The business does not own me. It goes into my owner's pay account because I deserve a paycheck for the work I do. It goes into my taxes because guess what? 
the reasons why we have all this SBA money is tax income, y'all. So people who are like, I don't want to pay taxes. This is why we pay taxes for situations like this. Um, and then the rest of it, whatever's left over is what I run my business on. And that is the principle of profit first in a nutshell. Um, I'm sure Amber, you can explain it better than I did. I actually know. I think I did pretty well. Um, so, an amazing job. Yeah, because I've been doing it for so long. So the first step, it, you know, but, but we're getting revenue in. I'm going to call it business revenue through loans, through grants, and then unemployment. Do you still think they should be doing profit first on this money if they've already implemented profit first? So I'm not a CPA, so I can't tell you about the tax implement implications of this money. But um, in general, I believe that anytime you receive money into your business, it's treated as any type of revenue. So you still put it through the, the same percentages. Um, and the only difference is, and this is with both our personal and our business, is really look at what are the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves versus something that's not needed right now. Um, or needs to be canceled versus something that can be reinstituted in the future or something just additional that you want to have in the future. Looking at all of your expenses and saying, okay, let's make sure to fund the must-haves first with the portion of money that's for business expenses. And let's make sure to fund the must-haves first for the personal. Um, and that will be a really good guide for you to ensure that you can continue to, you know, have a roof over your head and have food in your belly and truly be in that space of, I am safe. I am okay. Yeah. And I think, I think this is, this is a really important. So I'll give you my own personal insight spotpreneurs is I was on a major, when I married my husband, I acquired all of his debt and I don't believe in debt. I don't like it. It's gross to me. Amber knows this. My mother knows this. So I have been viciously paying off the debt, but I have halted the viciousness of it and said, okay, for right now, I need to reserve cash reserves for those four wall items. So I'm going to pay minimums on this. And then once this crisis has calmed down, I'll be able to rev it back up. So one option is you can pause your action plans. If you were saving it for a big um, continuing education course, you know, we really believe in continuing education here, but now's not the time to put money aside for an education course. Now's the time to put money aside to be maybe a couple months ahead of rent, you know, or a couple of months or making sure that, you know, you have um, your email system still up and running. We were talking about this off air, mom, um, about how Dupa was questioning the expensive demand force. Because for us, it's $400 a month. Yeah, he just doesn't understand everything that demand force does for us. If we had give up everything except for one um, social item, uh, including Millennium, if we had to give up one thing uh, or keep one thing, rather keep one thing, it'd be demand force. It is so right. it's so powerful for our business. But doing these, you're welcome, demand force. Yeah, you're welcome, demand force. But you, but but doing this exercise really helps you identify. So one way I say change this whole situation around. Look, and Amber's already mentioned. Look at this situation as a gift. The universe has given all of us the gift of time. Amber and I have talked about this numerous different ways personally, but we finally have a gift of time, which means it's time for you, in my opinion, to go through every line item and decide, is this a, a, a must? I love it. Or it can go yes. for now. Yes. Yes. I, I, it's amazing to me how many things are not necessary. Yes, absolutely. And also time is more valuable than money. This is a concept that is very clear. It's something I say often. I read about it first in a, in a productivity book, and I was, it just blew me away when I read that because we do not, money is a renewable resource. Time is not. 
And another thing that I wanted to touch on is if you are in a position where you do have some money that has been aged or that's for the four walls, for those necessary expenses, and you have money available past that, one of the best things that you can do, and this may seem counterintuitive, but it is something that I've been researching myself on what businesses have survived and thrived throughout a a crisis or recession. And the number one thing that those businesses do is invest in the areas in which they know they're going to really need to be able to focus on for the future. So if you do have additional resources, it is a really amazing thing to invest in yourself in an area that you believe it could help you pivot into a new direction. I feel strongly about that. I have told our landlords who gave us a two-month grace period in paying, which was so incredibly gracious of them, um, that, you know, I have no doubt that de-stress will come back stronger than it ever was. We are a resource people will be seeking out, and we've got the confidence and we know this without a shadow of a doubt. So they have reinvested back into us. Um, our thing of time now is without our hands being on the bodies and we keep emphasizing this to everyone is reach out to your clients, write a note, put a stamp on it. There's nothing like getting a simple little note in the mail is it's, it just is cheerful. You know, you posted recently, our favorite flower shop, Jeff's flowers is open, you know, send some of your favorite clients flowers, you know, send them a pizza and, (laughs) and, and like with Jeff's, we have a relationship with them. Do I have the money to pay for those flowers immediately? No, but can I call him and say, look, I want to send out five bouquets. I want them $30 or less. And can you defer this for 90 days for me? You know, people will do that because they know you're investing in them also. Right. So there's a lot of things that you can do. So the first thing and and one of the first things I do when someone comes to work with me uh, coaching wise is we work on mindset first and foremost. And I feel like Amber with money, it is mindset is 90% of it. That your mindset, the way you go into looking at finances is everything. Tell us about it, Amber. Mm. Well, I agree. I think that with any, any subject that we want to focus on, mindset is 100% the first thing to look at. Because without having very clear, positive, helpful thoughts, we will keep ourselves in a cycle. So the same thing happens with money. And a lot of times I think, um, especially in the beginning, when we're first starting to look at money, we have some pretty strong scripts that our subconscious and conscious mind are running. And it's based primarily on our original or our first impressions of money and our, our observations and things that have happened in our past. And that doesn't make you a bad person or a good person. It's just the situation, right? It's just what has occurred in your life. So the first thing that I always suggest is whenever you're starting to dive into something new and unfamiliar, to give yourself the gift of grace. Allow yourself to recognize that you are currently in the most empowered place by looking and taking action and taking steps forward. And that what you uncover does not identify you. It's simply what you have experienced. And we all make incredible decisions. And I state that very emphatically. 
I believe that we are always making good decisions because we are making decisions with the information we have at hand. So when you come across new information and you realize that now you would make a different decision than you had made in the past, recognize that the decision you made in the past was a good one because you didn't have that piece of information yet. Um, that's just one thing. But I always like to go back to the this concept of negative feelings are always an indication of negative thought. And so when you're feeling a negative feeling, just allow yourself to feel it for 10 or 20 seconds or maybe even a minute, but then ask yourself, what am I thinking? Because if we're constantly in this, but our brain goes into a cycle, what, within 20 or 30 seconds? And so it will continue to reinforce it. And then as we reinforce it, we also have this ability to reinforce our thoughts by identifying things outside of us that reinforce that negative thought. So we will find evidence of whatever we're thinking is true. So uh, I, I love I love my Voxer channel right now because I'm in contact with a lot of really incredible people who are just so positive and looking at this time is like, wow, I have never been able to fully implement a marketing system in my business. <laughs> so now like all this time I've been saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. I now have the time. Yeah. You don't have an excuse. Yeah. Because, right. because, because it's a choice now. It's not a choice of, you know, I, I've said for, for years now about block scheduling and blocking out CEO time with spotpreneurs, but now I'm like, you have nothing but CEO time because you are literally, and, and it's funny, we have, we have taught you guys how to build a business outside of the treatment room. You're outside of the treatment room now, y'all. You are outside of it. You mm -hmm. cannot be in it. So the only thing you can do is either sit and wait for it to be over. Be and a that's boss fine. or be a worker. And, and that's fine, but make your choice, but it's still, you don't fuck with the money. So Amber, um, you know, while they're waiting for unemployment, while they're waiting, while they're waiting, while they're waiting, what are some things that you think that they should be doing in terms of money or just thought process to, to get ready for it? Because I have a feeling um, that once the money starts trickling in, it's going to become like an avalanche of money for some of the, some entrepreneurs. And, and, and let me throw this in there. When the avalanche comes, what I've observed from my group, I have some that get giddy with emotion. Almost like high. Yes. When they receive the money and others that are, okay, yes, I have my money and this is what I got to do with it. They're two very different personalities there. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I, I've, I've said this many times. Money is simply a resource. And I think that the more we truly recognize that and see that it's not a good or bad thing, um, I misspoke when I first was starting out and saying that money, you know, that people say money is the root of all evil. And my dad actually went onto my Facebook post and he said, no, the love of money is the root of all evil. I said, oh yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so loving or hating money is yeah. not necessarily going to serve you. Um, and I know that's a controversial statement, but I truly do believe that. I think no. that when we value it, as, as simply a resource, right? Yes, yeah. yes, because you, there should be no emotion attached to this resource. 
take right. your emotion because we don't have the same resources for like the cans of tomatoes that are in our cupboard. <laughs> I do not get giddy <sighs> over do, my pasta. I do know? get giddy on my yarn stash. I know Amber does too. That's I a do whole too, different. Yes. yes, I'm oh, loving my yarn stash right now. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, yarn stash for being here for something <laughs> for me to do. Yes, but no, I I love this idea, this concept of resource because I'll, I'll never forget. And I think it was Dave Ramsey who um, said this I, uh, when I was doing financial peace is, you know, if if I have a brick, I can use this for two things. I can throw it through a window, smash a window, or I could use it as a starting point to build a school. Mm. And I'll never forget that analogy. It's the same thing with money. You can use money in many evil ways. You can use money in many positive ways, or you can just let it sit there. And if it sits there, it depends on where it's sitting. If it's sitting on your mattress, it's doing nothing. If it's sitting in a bank account or an investment, then it's growing. So, you know, it's ultimately the choices we make towards the money and the resource that made the difference. Okay, but I want to go back to the original thing that you were asking, Amber. What should they be doing right now right. while they're mm-hmm. waiting? So I believe, and this is just my opinion, so I want everyone listening that you're going to hear lots of different opinions if you start you know, researching this, this answer. However, I believe that we should be thinking of the unemployment as simply a boost right? So not a supplement or a replacement of our income, but just a boost to help us. And ultimately, for example, my partner, he, he's currently furloughed. And so he's, he just received his first payment this morning and it was a total surprise to us. And he has already instilled an action plan. He has, you know, he uses YNAB himself. So he's been looking at how we can reallocate what the most important, um, expenses are. So these are all things that I would recommend because I've been talking to him um, about this as well. And so he's going through the challenge that we're having in my group right now. And he's listing out what are the absolute must have things that he needs to spend and then reallocating resources to those. And then thinking of how can I still keep in touch with my clients? He got a 14 day trial to BombBomb. Um, It's a video software with email And he is making videos for every single one of his clients, reaching out to them, seeing how they're doing. And he's also, you know, the ones that are wanting to, he's already gotten some clients to sign up because he's now going to be providing some virtual training services to them. There are things that you can do that may not even be in your direct expertise that you could be offering virtually to people. And even having a journaling session of what are a hundred different ways I could make money right now? Maybe it's going through your clothes that you haven't worn in five years, but are really amazing. You can put up on eBay. I mean, there's like all sorts of things that you could be doing, but just don't give your, don't judge yourself for the ideas that you write down, but write down a hundred ways that you could make money and choose a couple to act on each, each day that you're starting to feel like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Because when we open the doors to money, and we say, yes, we are willing to, to receive money and we're willing to provide value. This exchange occurs and we are always okay. I see it all the time when people feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. When as soon as they start shifting their thinking into opportunity 
And I don't mean taking advantage of people. I'm talking about opportunity to provide value during a time. Like I would love someone to show me how to paint my nails. Like, I don't know how. (laughs) And I am tired of my nails not being pink. Okay. (laughs) That was a, before we started recording, um, moment, uh, moment of confession. Yeah. Nails are looking like, but, but yeah, no. And, and a lot of things you can do spotpreneurs is you can do a series, a web series, and you could choose to make it a donation base. You can choose to make it, you know, as part of the membership. If you already have a membership, this is a bonus right now. If you keep your membership going, um, you know, you could do an online couples massage class. You can do an online reflexology class. We've gotten so many suggestions from various people about different courses and things our massage therapists can do. And, you know, and, and, Listen to what your clients are asking for. If you're uh, aromatherapy, aromatherapy, you can get yeah. there. You can go oh. out in your yard, pick some rosemary, stick it in a boiling water, and it will lift your mood in the house. So yeah, simple things you can do, right? And you yes. can, and people will pay you to learn these things. And yes, okay, you're like, but they can go on YouTube. People I will. Are, people <laughs> we'll are pay for it. <laughs> yeah, people are inherently lazy. And I mean that in the nicest way because, and I just got through done with the, the story brand workshop and we're trying to, our brains are trying to conserve as many calories as possible. So if you're telling me that you can send me a video that will directly solve a problem I'm having, I need my nails to look cute during quarantine and it's going to cost me $10, $5, less than the price of a manicure. Oh my $80 God. dollars for the price of a manicure and I can do it 10 more times. That'll save me like 720 bucks. <laughs> I got to admit, I'm rethinking whether I'm going to go back to doing, getting my nails done or not. And <laughs> I might just go gray and, you know, what, I'm, I'm feeling a little free here. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. So there's some gifts here. So, so totally. And again, for you massage therapists and, and um, estheticians, there's nothing that's going to replace you. So you're good. Nail techs, eh, it doesn't really replace you. Yeah, I got to tell you, if I were an esthetician, I would be all over there, even just, just to keep my clients going and say, okay, this is the basis of washing and this is how long you wash your face and do it with a little bit of pressure so that you get the massage effect at the same time. I, I, estheticians yes. have it made because it's so visual. Right. Massage is a little bit or more difficult. how to pluck your own eyebrows. These are all <laughs> things you can do because eyebrows are going to start. Thank God I got K a week before all this happened. Look. I wanted to post on de-stress that women with Brazilians use less toilet paper. That's when everybody was hoarding the toilet paper. Because it's true. Yeah, it's true. But we never posted. We never did because we we got busy. Um, We bought a bidet. Oh, yeah. No, bidet sales are going out the roof. Oh, did you? You bought one? We did. We did. Yeah, on Amazon. The only one available. Oh, wow. I have to talk about this later. Amazing. (laughs) Oops. Been spending a lot of time in there, have you? <laughs> oh my God, it has a dryer. And here's the thing. Had there not been a toilet paper shortage in this country, did anybody ever think the United States of America would run out of toilet paper? Oh, come on. We're not running out of toilet paper. We've got <laughs> idiots out there hoarding this shit. And, and when this is all done, you know how many yards are going to get TP'd? No. There's going to be so much no. toilet Ship paper it to out Auburn. there. They, they, they're trees in honor of their oh football team. God. Anyway, so you can find joy in everything. But now it's open opportunity for Amber and Carl to have a lovely bidet in there. <laughs> <laughs> Off air, we'll have to get his comments on the Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's just different experience for, for different oh, equipment. God. Anyway, um, okay. Right. So bringing it back bringing around, it back. I've got a 
question because we've got some workers ourselves that um, they live hand to mouth. They're single moms and they make as much money as they can, but they're still conscious of being moms. So they don't work that many hours. So savings is more difficult for them. So, you know, it's smaller amounts. They, I had suggested that they call the utility companies, call your landlords, defer whatever payments you can. But is that going to bite them in the ass in the end? Or what are your thoughts on that? Well, someone was asking me this the other day. And um, I believe that if you're receiving additional money and you are receiving a, some sort of a relief or assistance from someone, pretend as if it didn't happen. So still have the money there for that intention so that when it resumes, you have that money there, but only take from it if absolutely necessary. Because if we just immediately reallocate it to something else, we will tend to find a purpose for it. That's with any type of money. That's our human nature to be efficient with resources. Like more um, yarn. Well, yeah. Right. Except I, I do have a stash that exceeds life expectancy. So I don't think that we have to worry about that for me. <laughs> However, um, there's a book that I would recommend and um, it's called, I will teach you by, to, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. I like it's the group. second. It's the this, second edition. It's so good. Second edition. It's very, you know, the first one's great too, but the second one's even better. And he has some incredible scripts in there to help you negotiate terms with credit card companies, with landlords, with all sorts of people. So I, I would highly recommend getting that even from the library. You can get the Kindle version from the library and just look through those scripts because that will help you tremendously um, in, in this time. Good. That, yeah, that, it's, those are good and words. he doesn't talk down to you. Like, like he makes yeah. it really easy. Anderson read the book. Oh, that's well, cool. Because Anderson reads all the money. Let's be all right. So Anderson, Addis, um, Amber knows. Anderson's my thirteen-year-old. He loves money more than anything. And it's just, not an evil thing. He just really likes money. I did. Just he likes get, the subject of money. He loves yeah. the subject of money. But he, he, he really understands the concept of it. Just um, yeah. I just got him a subscription to Motley Fool for one Ooh, year because so that he can get on there and learn more because that know? will bring him Good joy for you yeah I yeah love so, that. so you know and, and that's one thing too how honest do you think people should be with their kids right now like I sat down with the kids and said look this because we're having to dip into our savings and mommy's not able to put the money aside that we normally do for camps and things we may not be able to do every art camp or every this it's really more towards Addison and and, and she's understood um you know so it, it's it, I've had open conversations what kind of conversations should we be having with our loved ones about money right now well like I said earlier everyone's going to want to truly listen to their inner voice their inner wisdom to see what is best for their family I will say that in general unmet expectations are the root of all frustrations. So when you are setting an expectation for your child or for your loved ones, uh, it's important that, that it's something that you believe you can meet. So if it needs to adjust or pivot, I think direct communication is much better than keeping someone in the dark. We did get a question from um, somebody from our podcast community who asked, how do you implement profit first with unstable income? Which part of me, <laughs> I want to say this not to be mean to the person to answer because I thought it was a really good question, but all business income is unstable. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the first thing you have to accept as a business owner is the, the, and it's not income, it's the revenue. So you need, I feel like using the correct terms is really important. The revenue is unstable. 
your income should be stable in your business if you're using profit first. You kind of know. Um, can you go into that a little bit more, Amber? Yeah, I think I think we're talking about like variable income, right? Variable months. So yeah, variable <laughs> revenue. Yeah. So every business has variable revenue unless you're, you know, I don't know, some sort of subscription based model where you're getting very, very consistently renewed contracts. But for the most part, people have variable revenue. And Ramon is right. When you implement something like Profit First, you get to a point where you do have the ability to consistently pay you regardless of how much you made in that particular month. Now, for someone that's starting out, because the question I think is stemming more like, well, how do I start this process? Um, And this is where I believe reverse engineering Profit First is much more useful than trying to apply exactly how it's written in the book. So in the book, it's having you make very tiny pivots and adjustments to get to a profitable place. I think that most businesses are actually aiming for a revenue goal that is lower than they need. So they either need to readjust and reassess what they want to pay for from the business revenue, or they need to be adjusting their prices to make more money. And typically, it's a combination of the two things. So when we look at a bigger picture and just say, okay, let's take a step back here because this is this can get this can feel overwhelming. This can feel um, really kind of like uh, gives me anxiety, and I'm not really good at math. So why am I looking at all this stuff? And I can tell you right now that if you just take a step back and sit down with a journal or a piece of paper and ask yourself, what is it that I want my business to pay for? What is it that I want to be able to do with the resources that come into my business? Let's start with my personal life. Okay, I have children. I want to be able to take them to camp in the summer. I want to make sure that my four walls are covered. I want to do these different things and just list them down and then do the same thing for your business. What ideally does my business require so that I can run a business that feels really good? Like I want to allocate money every month to flowers for clients so that I have it there. Even, you know, even whenever I, I, whether I have a good month or a bad month, the money's there for that. Um, Listing those things and then reverse engineering it and getting a revenue goal that includes money for taxes, money for profit, and your expenses for the business and personal. Looking at that number is most likely a bit larger than the number you've been aiming for. And this is, I believe, of anything that any business can do, whether you're just starting out or you've been in business for 20 years, do this assessment for yourself and you will be surprised at how sometimes little of adjustments will make big, big changes in the long term. So if you're having trouble implementing Profit First, um, I would recommend doing a reverse engineering of Profit First and looking more at the revenue goal side of things. And then that will give you percentages based on that revenue goal. And Ramona, I do have a tool for that if I'm allowed to share it. Of course, please. Yeah, I know they'd love that. Yeah. So I think you guys can link it. Yeah. uh, Sam will link it. Yes, Sam, our wonderful VA. Thank God for Sam. She will link it in the show notes. And this is episode 127 of the podcast. Can you believe that? 127 episodes, Ceci? That's amazing. Yeah, no, we I, have a I chart. No, no, Sam made us a chart. Oh, so I always nice. know what episode we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> and she keeps the chart up to date. That's But again, I have money for Sam. Sam is very important. Otherwise, I'd have to keep up with it. And it's a lot of details. I have yeah. a Ceci to keep up with. 
for God's yes, sake. Yes, you know, yes, yes. yes. That's more use of my time. So yeah. Um, Amber, you know, finally, I, I kind of want to sum this up with, with just saying, again, this is a scary time. And I think we've acknowledged that and, and it's safe to acknowledge that. For you personally, how are you, because I can, can I, I'm going to share this. Um, Amber, actually, when, when President Trump announced that he was shutting the borders of America. Yeah, where she, were you? She was in Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure you were going to get back home. I was home. very afraid. I texted Amber, like, in the middle of the night in Portugal, like, oh, my God, you're going to get stuck <laughs> in Portugal. She's like, I know, Ramona. <laughs> So, so what's the question? Sorry. The question, <laughs> the question is, how do you not let fear completely surround you during a time of crisis? And it doesn't have to necessarily be of money, but you are one of the calmest, most oh, practical so people <laughs> I know. And very few things. I wonder if Carl would say that. Well, again, Carl is that. <laughs> I will say this fun story. So Amber came to my wedding. I did a s'mores bar for my wedding. She was very excited. We had Reese cups, not many, but we had some. So she grabbed Reese cups and she toasted her marshmallows. Carl ate the Reese cups. <laughs> he did. So forever. <laughs> no, never. Infinitely. He ate the Reese cups. So how do you not lead by fear? How do you not let fear completely just overwhelm you in times like these, Amber? How do you personally? Well, I think it's been a, a matter of practice. Um, one of my, uh, if you do the Myers-Briggs personality test, I am well, the least likely to go into business for myself. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I value security and safety quite a bit. So this has been a lifelong journey to be able to recognize that 99% of what we worry about doesn't happen. And that there's a lot of contaminated spot time that can be spent on those thoughts. Um, something that has really helped me tremendously has been transcendental meditation. Um, it is by mm-hmm. far one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Uh, also knowing that courage is defined as having fear and taking action anyway. Uh, it doesn't mean that fear goes away. Fear will always be with us because that's our, our normal ego response to keep ourselves safe. But we also have this beautiful component of our brain that allows us to assess whether or not that's really true. And I do strongly believe that our thoughts create our reality. And I have learned that when I have very scared, fearful thoughts and they continue, I will find evidence of that in my life. And it will get worse and worse and it will go on a, on a negative cycle. And something that I learned from Mike Michalowicz's speaking coach, his name's John Bates, he's an incredible guy. He shared something with me that has changed my life. And he said, and it was, you were talking about it earlier, Ramona, you, you used the term something like negative tunnel or negative thought cycle or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he said, when you are in this place where you just continue to think worse and worse things and you're just feeling worse and worse and you're just starting to like, you know, you can go into that really dark place. We all can. We all have done this before. Um, he said, the very first thing you want to do is just imagine yourself in this dark tunnel and you're in that dark tunnel and you're thinking these thoughts. And each time you think a thought, it gets you deeper into the tunnel. And when you, once you recognize you're there, and that's the first step is awareness that you're there, take a moment and then just start thinking of all the people that love you and what they say about you that's so kind and nice and loving. And just continue to think those thoughts and those people that are saying those things. And you just continue to think that. And then 
it's like you're backing out of this tunnel as you're thinking it. And you get to a point where you're outside now, the sun is shining, and you can have, these thoughts really do affect how you feel. So that, that concept has helped me in times when I do feel really down. And I think ultimately, it's just in, in consistently reminding myself that when I feel a negative feeling, what's the thought? That has, that has helped me quite a bit and just reassessing what I want to feel. And I personally choose to feel joyful, choose to feel grounded, choose mm-hmm. to feel empowered because no one is making me feel bad. No one is making me feel good. I get to choose that and no one ever gets to take that away from me. And the same goes for everyone listening. No one can take away your ability to think what you want to think. And that is absolutely your choice. Thank goodness. Yeah. She's definitely crush worthy. I told you she's my girl crush. <laughs> she just makes me feel good. Um, Amber, again, if I, I, if I could, I would make it a requirement to work with you to work with me. Um, you know, I'm at that point sometimes with the spot and where it's like, go talk to Amber and then come back to me. I've done that. <laughs> I have, I have done that where I've had. So, um, this is especially early on. I, I don't do it. Well, no, I need to still do it too, but they'll come to me and they'll ask you questions. I'm like, no, no, no. You, okay. This is Amber Duggar. This is her website. You go to her first you talk to her and then you can come back and push me because sometimes mm. it, it, it's a matter of something else, but um, she does have an incredible program. Can you talk about profit for keeps for a little bit? Sure. Um, profit for keeps is the foundation of the framework that I teach clients. And so clients that come to me that are really looking for more groundedness, more security, more peace in their, in their financial life and are looking for something that actually looks at everything in their life, not just their business, but looking at the personal and addressing deep down, what is it that you really want to be doing with the money that comes into your business? Because any system that you want to implement, you want to make sure there's a reason why you're implementing it. And so we identify that reason first, because that's the most important thing. And then once we do that, then we go into um, a real a, a really great phase in which you're looking at all your expenses and your personal and your business. We're reverse engineering your revenue goals so you know how much you want to be making in your business. Um, and then, then assess that with your business revenue and see, okay, am I making enough? Do I need to make any pivots or tweaks? Because there's no point in implementing a cash flow system if you're not making enough money to cover everything. Um, without knowing that you're not making enough money to cover everything. Once you know, then you can implement the system at the same time taking action on how can we tweak prices? How can we look at the expenses? Can we temporarily stop some of these? Um, And then we have you learn a personal budget. So it's not a budget. It's more like a spending plan, an envelope system. And that gets you to learn the software. It helps people with paying down debt. It helps people with saving for things that you know may not be a monthly expense. And ultimately, we then move into a business budget, create a separate spending plan for the business that implements components of Profit First. And so at the end, your result is a working, growing system that allows you to say, okay, I can pay myself consistently, even if I have variable income months. I know exactly where my money is in my business. When I have a crisis hit, I can make pivots. I've had so many, an overwhelming number of Voxer messages and emails from clients just saying, thank goodness we have this framework because we are not freaking out right now. And even one of my clients, her husband decided not to go back to work and they are pivoting right now in this time 
because they have the ability to look at it together and say, this makes sense for us. So it just gives you a lot more control and it's not bookkeeping. It's not looking backwards. It's not accounting. This is empowering you as a business owner to say, yes, I know where my money is and where it's coming in. I have personally been a profit for keeps clients since November, 2016. And let me tell you, um, I will give you a personal testimonial like this. I have a rental house. Um, and oh, for God. almost a year, it was not rented. And yet I didn't go behind. I still was able to pay for my wedding and, and do things because of the system. I was able to go to London. I'm able to pay for kids things, you know, and again, and thank God she had the savings because while it was empty, the air conditioner got completely stolen. Right. So once I had renters in, $3, I had thousand dollars. No, it was 5,000. Oh, it was 5,000 and it wasn't covered in my insurance, but I had the money and it sucked. And I didn't, I, I pouted the whole time, but I did it. And so, you know, and again, it's not an easy thing to do, but once you do it, it is the most incredible feeling of going. It's the one thing I'm not worried about right now. Well, and in what I want to say on this end is it's not like you started out with a lot of money to invest in, to start making the baby steps forward. You no. started with basically nothing. Right. And because you weren't working for a while there because you were living here at the house and little, little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit, you kept climbing up with Amber's help. So you don't have to start out with a lot of money. You have to start out with the right mindset that I can learn. Right. And, and Jess, she gives you the foundation to do it. So please look up Profit for Keeps. It is an incredible program. Um, at the very least, Read Mike McCallowitz's wonderful book, Profit First. Um, I'm going to give you a testimony about that really quick. Bailey from South Carolina. She's one of my favorite, favorite spapreneurs. But she goes, um, no question, just comment because I posted a post about Amber in there. She goes, I love Profit First. Read the book after first hearing about it on the podcast. Implemented it on day one when I opened my own practice in 2017. I'm not really freaking out about my studio's financials during this time. I still have another week of regular salary for myself. The business has several months of funds to cover expenses while we ride this out. Profit First was the best business advice I've ever gotten. So what I want you to take from this episode is this. Um, it's not that you have to get Amber's program. It's not that you even have to do Profit First. Though, again, I'm going to highly suggest it's the easiest accounting thing in the world. It really is once you, once you learn the system. What I'm saying is, is this is a wonderful opportunity to have a completely fresh start with your business and personal finances. You can start over, you can start fresh. And if you mess up, it's okay. Make a U-turn and keep going. Um, Amber, seriously, thank you so much. I know you're very busy during during this COVID-19. You're like the busiest person on the planet. You've made time for us and I appreciate you so much. I love you the most. <sighs> I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for having me. We love me. you this more. So much fun. Yeah, I love you lots more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, um, if you want more information about Amber or any of our guests, go to spapreneur.com. This is episode 127. So go to spapreneur.com forward slash 127 to get all the details about Amber. See the cat being shaved. That picture still floating around there. God, that poor cat. Um, she is happy. No. Okay. okay, fine. Maybe. Have you seen the meme on uh, Facebook of all the men that have gotten haircuts or given themselves haircuts? No. Oh my gosh, no. But Carl... Carl is very uh, practiced at this, so he's pretty good. Yeah, and I do Dupas here, which is why I thought I could do the cats here. (laughs) Yes, because it because it almost a little different. Because an almost seventy year old man is the same as a three year old cat. (laughs) No one grow back out. I'm sorry, Sessie. No amount of champagne justifies that comparison. (laughs) 
I call shenanigans on that one. <laughs> I call I'm shenanigans. Saying. All right, spotpreneurs, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Need more actionable steps to get your spa headed in the right direction? Head to spapreneur.com where we've got the tools, tricks, and methods to making your spa as successful as it can be. Spapreneur.com.